Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 66, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, we reach into Richie's mailbag to answer some questions, and then review Alma Mater. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. No, I'm Richie. 66, that's a good number. Hey, every one we get from here on out is a good number. That's true, that's true. (laughs) People are still listening to us. I mean, maybe if it was 666, that would be a bad number. Ooh, ooh. I don't know. Well, if we get to 666, I'll still be okay with that. All right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. Oh, wow. We got a chance to play some new games the other day, Chad. Oh, yeah, that was great. We had a uh, listener come over, Nate who we've talked about on the show and uh Nate is a uh he's a, he's part of the punch punch we like Nate we like Nate what are we going to on the podcast say if we didn't like Nate well, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening, but anyway, Shh, uh, we no, okay. yeah, okay. No, we do like Nate, and uh, he yeah, taught like us Nate. one of his favorite games. He had said that Museum, I think it was, uh, was in his top ten. That was number ten. On yeah, his top yeah. Ten. We were like, never heard, or I hadn't heard of it. And actually, more importantly. Nate brought over ice cream, and I actually got an ice cream bar. Finally. <laughs> that's I, I right. like how that's the important thing for All Richie, right. is the ice cream bar. Not the games, not the well, Nate I've came been, over I've to been play. promised one for a few episodes now, so I mean, Nate came through. It was his birthday. And it was his birthday. And he brought ice cream bars. That's That was that was nice of him. It was really nice. Well, anyway, we, uh, we loved playing some games with Nate, and he was nice enough to teach us Museum, which I had heard of, but I hadn't played it yet. All I knew is that it was kind of like a... A set collection game. Boy, this version he had of it, I think it was a Kickstarter version. It was a beautiful, beautiful version, too. And it was by by one of Richie's favorite artists. That's right. Vincent Dutrait. Yeah. It was a beautiful uh, production, for sure. Yeah, let me see. I I think uh, Holy Grail and Asmodee did this one, or Devere. It depends on kind of where you're getting it from, but... But yeah, it was a great production. The art was really lavish. It was just a, it was a really nice game. I will say, um, well, the designers, hopefully, and I'm going to try my best here. I'm sorry. I know this is French. Eric Debut and Olivier Melisson, I think, are the, um, are the board game designers. And so basically what you're doing in museum is that you're going to be the creator of a of a different museum each each person is the creator of their own museum and it's a two to four player game you're going to be trying to assemble different collections and as you assemble these collections they're coming out on the board from different decks so you are taking turns as kind of the active player and getting to get pieces of this collection from different decks on display out in the middle of the board. As you do so, you are going to let other people kind of come in on your action. It's basically like where you get a weaker action. So anybody else who wants to take a card from the collection then gets to do so as well. But they have to give you basically a victory point as they do that. And you're you're trying to, you have hidden goal cards that you're trying to score of your collection. And then you are also ultimately at the end trying to score on your museum board certain patterns across. So maybe I'm trying to get all Greek artifacts that make a symbol across or 
uh, all Greek artifacts that are touching each other. And uh, and so it's a simple set collection game, but part of the headiness or the crunchiness comes from how you're going to array these things. And then, of course, you can get certain special... I don't know if they're called curator cards. They were special cards that give you a little bit of a bonus, basically, towards working with some of those goals, essentially. And so it was, a, like I said, a really great production, a little bit lighter game, but it, for a set collection game, it was very entertaining, and I think we all had a good time. Yeah, I, I got it was enjoyable. I mean, it was interesting, and, and like you said, a little bit of the crunchiness of trying to match those different uh, the domains and then the different countries and stuff together was, was interesting. It was definitely a solid family weight set collection game that was enjoyable. Yeah. I, I didn't even come close to winning, but I will say that when I when we got to the end game scoring and I was showing what my scores were, <laughs> Richie and Clef tried to convince me that I had the uh, complete concepts wrong for the game and that I didn't understand any. Of it. I think in that game you actually did have one concept wrong. If I, it was the next game we played that we tried to trick you. Yeah, <laughs> but I can't the, remember. It was one of the games where I was like, "Oh no, yeah. Chad, you totally screwed that rule up." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> uh, just kidding. All yeah. Right. Well, it was it was it was enjoyable. The other one that he taught us, and maybe we'll talk about it in the future is Tekenu. That was really enjoyable. So thanks to Nate for teaching. Uh, Richie, what? Uh, uh, hold on. What? I got a story for you guys. Okay. What, what's going oh, on? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I told you guys, I don't know. I don't know how many months ago it was, but I, I, I texted her something and said, hey, hey, I, I pre-ordered Tekenu. And I was all excited about it. You know, I was like, all right, this will be good. You know, I'm hoping maybe to even get it a little early, you know, so we get a little review out for it on the podcast yeah. where it came out. And, that uh, did not happen. And, no. Well, Chad got I his realized, before you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think and everybody got his before yeah. my, <laughs> for me. But, um, but I thought it was like a like a like like something I might have gotten a little bit early, but whatever. Okay. Well, here a few weeks ago, they started, you know, emailing me and letting me know, you know, hey, you know, it's we've, we've got it and, you know, eventually it'll be on its way type of thing. Well, hey, it came. All right. I'm excited. All right. I'm excited. I liked the game actually. Actually, you know, we'll talk more a little bit, a little bit about it later. But it was interesting. I was, I was very, very excited. Can why don't you help uh, read this for me? <laughs> oh wow! Well, my brother-in-law is fluent in German. Why so. not? <laughs> Maybe I'll pass this on to him. Well, it's a know, German copy. I don't know what you're <laughs> what you're complaining about. Tekenu's in the same language, right? Well, yeah, that is true. You can, can read the read. title. That's great. <laughs> but the like 70 cards that are in the game, I can't read. What about, I mean, I think <laughs> I think the Schnelluberstich actually looks pretty. Schnelluberstich. <laughs> uh, that's, that's German for player aid, I think, by the way. Ooh. Oh, uh, great. Not much of a player aid. <laughs> and sorry, by the way, I'm not making fun of, of, of German language. I am just making fun of my uh, ability to pronounce it. But yeah, I think you. You're, yeah. you're, and if, we're making fun of cloth. If, yeah. If, uh, yeah. If we have any uh, German punch punches that come over, um, you they could help play the game. But until then, I'm in trouble. I well, got a question. How did this happen? Like, how do you not notice that you're getting the German copy or they ordered the German copy? Oh, well, um, <laughs> this this comes down to board game buying problems. <laughs> and, uh, click, click. click, you know, they sent an email to me at some point. I thought I was on some sort of special list. You know, but I wasn't I was that special. email in German? No, the, no, the, the that email was not in German. Okay. Not. I thought you said I that have, like the site was in German. Or something. No, no. Well, it might have been, but <laughs> I thought I translated or so. I don't know what I did, but I did. You know, 
and usually a lot of these copies they'll come with both English and German rules you know when we get copies over here or you know other languages so even when I thought well it might have the German but it will, should probably have the English also and a lot of Euro games wouldn't make a difference like, I, I think we could still play this I, with the German copy yeah, I'm, yeah, I got I'm this. sure we can what I'm hoping is is hopefully maybe I can contact uh, you know Borden Dice and say hey mine didn't come with cards can you send me the cards? <laughs> English cards please <laughs> just English cards okay because a rule book whatever I can go to BGG and print it off and you know obviously since I've been taught it already it's not like it's a huge deal but well here you go um, board game designers if you uh, if you want Clef to buy your game just send him an email it's Clef <laughs> Clef Hayworth at gmail.com <laughs> doesn't matter the cost or what language it's yeah, in send him an email with a button to click and you're good okay oh boy all right yeah I, yeah you're I a little trouble to, with that well, there buddy <laughs> I thought you guys would enjoy that that story I thought I'd wait and tell you guys that here too that's so. pretty good man <laughs> what well, what have you actually been playing <laughs> <laughs> well I did get another Kickstarter in and thankfully it was in English so oh that's good congratulations it. um, it's actually a game that uh, Chad and I played when we were at Geekway of the West uh, obviously well the last Geekway of the West right. in, in 2019 and it's called Obsession and Chad and I played it and it was you know it was okay I mean we both thought oh, it's, it's it's a Euro it's a it's a medium Euro but you know at one moment I saw the Kickstarter and thought oh I don't have anything to do with this money so I'm going to spend it on it <laughs> well one of the reasons too is if if I I mean if there is one person I know in my life that I'm like dang that's a Jane Austen fan it's Clef you know so <laughs> so that is I think why I'm going to guess he's just learning that that's the yeah, theme he doesn't even right know now. he's like I don't even know Jane <laughs> I'm pretty sure Jane Austen's a book. Uh, well, she's a writer. So oh, that's, shoot. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> Did she write three women? Little women. Little women. <laughs> little three little women. <laughs> that's a nursery rhyme, buddy. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I like the little punch bunch. No, I'm really not this stupid most of the time. Okay. <laughs> Um, no, but, uh, so I thought it, it was a good enough game. I thought I'd give it a shot. So I, uh, so I kickstarted it, had an expansion in upstairs, downstairs, and it also had an option to pick up a solo game inside of it. Also, um, I declined that option because I knew I wouldn't use it. So I didn't get that part, but I got the, the expansion and the game and, um, I've, I've gotten a few plays in of it. Um, actually, um, uh, my wife and I have played it quite a few times and it's an interesting game. I mean, basically on your turn, you are playing these cards that have either males or females on them and then but to play them you have to have certain servants uh either you know like a maid or a butler you know those type of things to be able to help play them and you're basically then trying to do things like make some money, but also get what's called uh, like prestige because you're trying to increase like your house or whatever. You're trying to increase your house's prestige. And then you're also trying to buy different rooms to be lavish and beautiful for your guests and stuff they come over. So you might be buying like a tennis court or a, you know, or a, an observatory or, or different buildings and stuff that you're putting onto your, to your board that then also give you more opportunities to also do uh, abilities and different stuff like that. So kind of a card driven game with some tile, uh, with some tiles and, and then um, just, you know, scoring the most victory points is really all you're out to do, but it's a fun game. I mean, it's, it is medium Euro 
all the way through. It is not a heavy game by any lengths of the imagination, but it's enjoyable. And I think part of it, I think my wife likes it even more because I think she does really like that theme. And she liked the fact that it was not the same old training, you know, trading in the Mediterranean type of game that I usually try to have play with her. So. Right. I mean, there are a lot of people there uh, out there that love Downton Abbey. And this is like kind of for the Downton Abbey crowd, too. Yeah. You know, it's got that Victorian era uh, sort of motif to it. I think the other group that this can appeal to is it's almost like so it's more abstract in the way that you put the tiles together than let's say Mad King Ludwig but if you like the theme you can sort of build your story around that like look I've got this estate right, right. and here's the livery room yeah. and it's sitting next to you know these people have to go visit this room you know and, yeah. and it tells a little bit of a, a story yeah. there which is kind of fun it's, if you like that and it's fun and like in some of the uh, people that you get that you play you might have like a scoundrel so he'll give you negative prestige on the track you know and move you back on this uh, this dial that you have to have. And you you know, you want always that dial to be going higher because then you can play bigger and better buildings and bigger and better people also. So um, so sometimes, but like a scoundrel might make you like a lot of money because, you know, they're they're a bad scoundrel type of person. So it was fun, enjoyable. Uh, you know, you had a couple of things, you know, sometimes you might have to play, you know, you got to play a lady and a man and you get some bonuses or something, you know, if there are certain people. Um, and then plus you can also, if you win a certain bonus tile, you'll get a special really good card that gives you, I can't remember, it was Charles and... Elizabeth something or rather I'm sorry I'm not real you know hip on the Jane Austen world but you know um, but it was it was fun enjoyable you know it's a game if you two said hey I'd, we'd want to play it I'd sit down and I'd teach the game to you I, it's 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 good cool we should say that that is Obsession by the designer Dan Halligan and uh, Kayenta Games is who it's published by I also want to note too that under the BGG heading uh, the category is post-Napoleonic. So there's that too. So <laughs> Napoleon was in this? Oh no, it's post-Napoleon. Okay. Post-Napoleon. I, I have to say though, whenever you talk about the game Obsession, I think about like, I think about uh, Charlize. Calvin Klein? Char yeah, Charlize yeah. Theron and oh, like yeah. monks <laughs> chanting at the same time, you know. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Sort of Obsession. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, Richie, save us and uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, World War II. All right. Well, I got a chance to play uh, Blitzkrieg, Paulo More's Blitzkrieg uh, with Josh and uh, it's a little uh, two-player game I think the tagline is uh, World War two in 20 minutes yep and in the game you have just this uh, small board and there are five theaters in World War two that you are basically gonna be like doing like a tug of war back and forth from during your turn you're gonna be taking tokens from behind your screen they're gonna be hidden from your your opponent uh, and you're gonna be placing them out in the different theaters and you can place them on any free battle space and each battle space is either land or sea space and there's also planes that you can place on any of those spaces but you'll be placing them out there and then moving your the there's a little red cube just in the center of each of these battles and when you place it you'll move it towards your side whatever the the uh the value of the unit is that you placed uh, each of those spaces have like special bonuses that will kind of kick off and either give you uh, improved units and give you victory points different things like that but you're gonna be placing these back and forth and the the whole goal of the game is either to force your opponent to have no tokens left you can win automatically that way uh, or to get to 25 points i think is the the final victory threshold and i know chad has played this a, a lot with finn i think and for me i played it uh two times i played it with josh i played it with jessica and they were both both games were done in about 15 minutes 
and it it wasn't bad, but it also like I don't know it. I I would be interested to see how Finn liked it because I I actually already sold my copy just because it it is a game that is fairly popular right now, so it was easy to get rid of. Um, but I would like if Knox was a little older, I could see showing it to him and maybe him being into it. But for me, it it just lacks a little something like the it was too fast almost. But hey, yeah, I'd be interested to see what you you know your experience with Finn. So Finn really likes zippy games, you know, like he finally likes the new uh 20 minute or 15 minute ticket to ride uh, london i think is what we have he, mm. he and he's like he sounds like a little reviewer he's like finally this game uh doesn't outstay its welcome <laughs> I was like, might have to have on the podcast here yeah, soon. That's right. so he he likes he doesn't want to sit still for a really long time so he actually enjoys this and he loves for example he'll try to get out there and bomb the bejesus out of me which basically when you bomb somebody it means that because you're, you're drawing chits out of a bag you get usually get to pick one of three behind your screen which people can't see and so you have to flip all your tokens over for a minute and uh that person gets to draw one of your tokens and put it back in the bag and so he likes to bomb that because it gives me less choices and pretty soon if he does that and nabs all those spaces i only have one token i'm drawing and then i'm only getting one out so he likes to kind of do that, and he likes to take the special tiles, which have some really interesting bonuses as well. So I don't think... It doesn't feel like there's one path to victory or something like that with it, but it does move really quick. And I was... I have to say, I was really surprised because the reason I got this was I heard the... Uh, you know, the So Very Wrong About Games guys, which I listen to sometimes when I when I can. And um, I, I honestly think they were so very wrong. Uh, but... I, they said that this was way better than Watergate for them. And I think Watergate is a Oof. much deeper experience. So, there, and there's no card play in, in Blitzkrieg as well, which I always like as well. So, you have that tug and, tug and pull back and forth on the track in Watergate with trying to make the connections as the editor and then trying to shut down those connections as Nixon. But I don't see a lot of, a lot of the same, um, stuff that I would compare, to be honest, between those two games. Yeah, I don't see how you compare those games. Like, to me, Watergate is a full game. This would be, like, in the same realm, at least in my opinion, like, the same realm of, uh, like, zombie dice. Like, something that you're just doing for, like, quick. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that it's, you know, on the same level as far as design-wise as zombie dice, but I'm saying it's that fast, where yeah, it's like, it's that fast. you're going to knock this out, and you're going to move on with your day, and it's... But you know I want to tell people, though, that there are decisions to be made, because you have, like, four or five different theaters and so you're trying to decide like do i say to hell with this theater i cannot win it and let them win the points on it by finishing this up like i can't push further or or do i and and then do i rush to get the special power that may help me with the other theaters you know those kinds of things which which are which are important so i think there are good decisions to be made i won't disagree with you that it's a very fast game but again that is what my my son loves about it and finds it mm. compelling so yeah part of the, and part of the reason i picked it up because i i like dogs of war paulo's other tug of war game that's on a larger scale obviously but uh, with that, I mean, there is a lot more negotiation going on because, I mean, really, you want to play that with five players and there's just a lot more going on. It is, but it's kind of still the same concept. You have three different battles and you're placing your captains on either side, pulling it, trying to work with people, but you can also betray people. It, it's a whole other thing. So, yeah, I, I think probably, I mean, I was, I don't know, I, I, I could have even been in a, a bad mood, those two plays or whatever, but it, it was just, it was so fast that it, I don't know, I just completely... 
Forgot about it. Have either one of you guys played Air, Land, and Sea? Yes, I did. I played that mm-hmm. with one of our friends, Joe. Have you uh, played that yet? Uh, he taught it to me last night. Okay. Yes. Um, and I, I've been a while since I've done something like that, but I like ordered it on Amazon like the moment he was, as he was teaching me. I thought it was really fun, and I think my wife will really, really like hmm. it. Yeah. So. And it's, it's honestly, to me, it feels that level of complexity. The cool thing about Air, Land, and Sea is you are actually saying, like, I see this to you. Yeah, you know, like in, I, yeah. in Blitzkrieg, you kind of go, okay, fine, I can't win this. I'm going over here. In in Airland, it's you go, I, I quit. You win this, and quit. we're going over here. And you, and then you only, okay. the, your opponent gets less victory points if you quit Ooh, early. I like that. And yeah, and it's just the first one to twelve or whatever. So I have to try that then. It, it's it's really you just uh, do one thing. Don't play against Joe. Yeah, well, <laughs> you <laughs> well, you're I, too late. That's buddy. most games. You're too so. late. Holy <laughs> wow! I mean, I, in fact, I think I'm gonna stop playing games with Joe. I, <laughs> I don't think, ever beat him. Can I just tell you that makes me feel better because I've been and I'll talk about this in a later podcast. But I've been playing Imperial Struggle exclusively with Joe, and the last time I said, "Hey, that was a good game." You made me feel real bad about myself. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, he uh, he taught me that game last night and i felt uh we didn't even get to the second war okay? oh, all right well i feel, <laughs> better. feel better well I, it was his second pl- or third play it was okay. my first <laughs> but uh wow yeah and that is a game we will definitely talk about later uh for sure but uh yeah he is he's pretty good at games so yeah maybe let's just ban him from playing anymore from right. us. i think that's a good idea his wife and we won't say it on on this on podcast? this podcast but uh-huh. she kind of calls him a name which in his other game group they've made it an award the ff award which the second f is face Ooh. but you know oh so, yeah. so, so imagine yeah. what that first word yeah, is okay yeah. all so, right but no we love joe i, no, no, I he's love great joe to he play is with. actually he i really love playing with him he's just too smart i just me. we just played a, a uh, four-player game of clans on uh board game arena i scored 164 points which is darn good, good. in that game not enough and he still beat me by 10 points. Yep. God, <laughs> yep. I'm telling you. Ugh, all right. He's a brainiac, brainiac. Okay. Sorry. Well, all right. <laughs> we'll sing it there from Chad. All right, fellas. Well, are we ready to uh, reach into the old Richie's mailbag and answer some questions? I think it's about time. All right, fellas, we're going to answer a few uh, emails today. Ooh. Oh, boy. Right. Like, a lo- like more than one. More than one. All right. Wow. That is a few. And <laughs> <laughs> Noted. All right. <laughs> our first one is from Gabby, one of our uh, newest patrons. And the question is, do you think legacy games can have a place on a top 10, 20, or 50? No. Well. I was about to say, should we start positive or <laughs> oh. or start with Clef uh, <laughs> on this question? Yes. Start positive. Or all right, let's never... start with Chad. Oh, okay. all right. <laughs> so, what I will what I will start with is positing a question to you guys because first of all, a lot of times when you think of of top numbers of games, it's do you want to play this game again? Right? Like, how badly do you want to play this game again? And if you finished it with a legacy, sometimes you there's no way. Why would you? Because you've played it out you know so there's that to consider right uh you know should you consider it if you can't possibly play it again like if you loved uh if you loved pandemic legacy where should it go you know there's that to consider and then there's the other stuff that we've talked about on this podcast before which is how do you do that does are is there anything legacy that does it the way we we like you know 
Are there mechanisms that work well with legacy? How important is the story? Does the story get in the way? So what I'm hearing you say is no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm answering a question with a question. Uh, I, I I will I will I will defer to you though. Let's let's hear what you have to say. Uh, well, I mean, this is very simple for me. I so your first question about you know your top ten or twenty or th- whatever are games that you want to continue play, and if it is a legacy game and you finished it, you're not. I mean, once again, I don't know for sure. I know I hear some people saying they would play their pandemic legacy last thing as as thing, but. For the most part, you've you've done it, right? So you're not going to play it anymore. So I think that's, to me, you can still rate one highly if you like it. But it seems unlikely to me to say that it's going to be like, oh, that's one of my top games of all time because you're just not playing it anymore. And then secondly, for me, I just have never found a legacy game that even comes close to being a game that would make, I mean, my top of anything because I just don't. And I mean, we've talked about this many times. There has not been a legacy game out there that has gripped me that I've enjoyed uh, fully. Campaign mode, maybe. You know, obviously, Marikaibo has some campaign in it. But really, once again, even if I took the campaign out of Marikaibo, it's still a great game. I, I don't yeah, need yeah. it for it. And I don't consider it legacy because it's not really no. making permanent changes. No, 100%. No, no. It's, it's definitely campaign-ish. It's yeah, I mean, I think it is tough if it's like pandemic legacy where it's a, a one and done and you're just you're gonna throw out the game afterwards i mean i guess like clink legacy technically you can keep playing after uh what's the the one with the great coins charterstone charterstone uh, i love that the you great started on, coin the fantastic great coins coin. that's the best the great, thing in the that great game coin. <laughs> um and we just use those coins playing yeah, santa maria it, they <laughs> are perfect. perfect for that and mombasa, mombasa. they fit the space perfectly on yes. mombasa oh, that's beautiful true. yes uh, I guess if it's one of those, maybe if you continue to play it, I don't see why not put it in your top whatever. Uh, but yeah, me personally, I, Pandemic and Legacy is the the only one that I've truly still have positive feelings after finishing it. Everything else has just gone on too long. And did you finish Betrayal as well? Uh, no, not yet. We, we are five games into that. Uh, we just finished Clank Legacy. So okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Clank Legacy, once again, like I would say like the overall experience was fine, but... It's just those, I mean, it's the same game and it's so long, you know, two hours plus on every game. It's just, it's too much. And yeah, I think, I think I'm going to echo that because we have played five games and my family, you know, they love to play things, the same game. They, they want more of that because they don't like to learn new rules, which I understand. But, you know, even then my son's like, you know, he's into the game and he really likes it, but, oh, he's like, this game is long. I don't know. Be interesting. Uh, one of our local uh, listeners, uh, Jake, Jake Clark, I know he really liked The King's Dilemma. And, you know, so I'd be interested to see if, like, if he would put that up in one of his top games, even since, you know, once you're done with it, you're basically, you're done with it. But he was willing to try to play it again because at some point I did get a copy of it and I thought about playing it. That 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 dream went out the window. I sold it. It's gone. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> well, so do you think for you, and I can't speak, well, you know what? I think, though, that that's more of a valid criticism coming from you than it is for me who, you know, you've had almost 100 plays of Great Western Trail. I have not eclipsed that with, I don't know if I've eclipsed that with any game. Maybe maybe a couple of card games I have. But like I haven't gotten 100 plays of any game, but I was going to what I was going to say is 
oh, you and I are both cult of the new. We like that. We sure. really enjoy mm-hmm. uh, trying new things. Is it by the time we hit play five of a game that we're like, okay, I'm ready to move on to new things? But no, I know that for you personally, I know that's not true because when you find a game you love, you played it very many times. Whereas, like I said, I don't get nearly as many plays of games in as, as you do. So Yeah, I mean... I definitely would consider myself more cult of the new than I would a repeat player of most games. If a game is great, yes. But for the most part, I do play games right away, play them a lot, and then it's going to sit on my shelf for a long time and you know I'm ready to play something new. So I, I don't know. For that aspect, maybe Legacy's just it just doesn't... You'd think maybe that would fit because then I'd just play the Legacy game and be done with it, but... I I think it's more just that the games just haven't been great yet for me for Legacy. So yeah, why would you say real quick and we'll, we'll then we'll move on? But mm-hmm. Richie, why would you say that you have positive feelings about Pandemic Legacy more than any of the other games? What did that give you that's different? Well, I mean, honestly, it, I mean, it's definitely the experience, and obviously, I did that. Ju- it was just me and Jessica. So there was never trying like a hassle of trying to get something set up. We're in the same house. Mm. We set it out on the table. Yeah. We would go down after the kids went to sleep, knock out a game or two. But it was just easy to finish it. And maybe that's why it, it, I have that positive. Every other legacy game that I've had, it's been a struggle to get everyone back to the table. And they just take forever to get through. And it just feels like it's just sitting over your head the entire time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only reason that I can think maybe Pandemic Legacy is the exception for me. Right. So really, I mean, from the three of us, at least from our experiences, we're not going to have any legacy games cracking anywhere close to our top 10s, 20s, 50s, or whatever. But certainly I could see where some people, that the, the experience may still have them feel like, yes, they still would want that up there. And that's obviously why we all like different games and play different stuff. All right. Well, thanks for that question, Gabby. All right. The next one we're going to do is from Wesley. This this one came from Slack. And he uh, asked, and I'm going to just kind of summarize the question here, but he has boxes full of just kind of spare parts, pieces. You know, if there was any type of new errata stuff, he throws all that old stuff back into this box. Uh And I'm going to add on to his thing as far as do you guys also keep like expansion boxes or what do you do with all this stuff? And I know Cleft's pretty good about throwing stuff away. I don't don't think you keep your stuff around, do you? Uh, With expansion boxes, like if it's a game that I love and I know there is no way that I'm going to get rid of the game, then I will throw the expansion box away and just put it, you know, hopefully it fits into the base game. If it's maybe a newer expansion or sometimes, you know, when you get these new games that come with an expansion relatively quickly, I might wait and make sure that I like it because otherwise maybe so some people might want the extra box. But for the most part, I throw all expansion boxes away. I just why I, I have enough board games as is. I don't need to keep expansion boxes. Well, with, well, with the exception, I think I've kept like the Bruges uh, expansion just because, you know, I knew that that was expensive or whatever. But for the most part, um, pieces, I do have a little, uh, you know, I have a tote over there that has like all the like the big Indonesia pieces and it's got, you know, um, other just well, whatever, you know, like like the lignum green meeples or whatever, you know, the or purple or whatever the wrong color was, you know, yeah, like purple. those things. I throw them all in there. Um, I don't really use them for anything, but they're there. Sometimes I throw paper money in there. I don't know why. And then I'll see it like three months later and go, 
why did I keep this and throw it away? Um, so I, I think sometimes you have a little bit of that. I wouldn't even say call it a hoarding, but a little bit of that, you know, oh, I paid for this. I'm going to keep right, it, right, right. you know, but eventually if somebody took and dumped that whole thing in the garbage can, I wouldn't feel, you know, I'd be like, okay, fine. I'm, I'll move on. It ain't going to affect anything. So what about I, you, Chad, you holding on to that stuff? I have an upper shelf of a closet that is just for Ooh. empty boxes. Oh, or, oh. be better than <laughs> or, yeah, or monopoly or risk. Which, which I have a couple because Finn wanted to keep them. But, I mean, usually I will, if I can, I will just get rid of the expansion box right away if it fits in. And I've, I've even sold some games on auction here recently that I've had to say, like, look, you get this expansion box, but not this one because I tossed it, you know. But uh, I usually won't keep that stuff. I do keep some things that when I upgraded my pieces of Lisboa, for example, because I love that game so much, I kept the stuff that was in the base game. I kept some of the meeples and stuff. I upgraded uh, Argent because the the expansion came with some different upgrades. It kind of changed some of the ways that you have your mages and can slot things into your mage. So I kept those two. I don't, I don't, I'm not smart enough to design my own game, but maybe I just see like having all those pieces just for, Ooh, for using them to go you know, make your own game. With yes. Them. Right. At some point have, have all those. Cause there's that thing on Kickstarter right now. That's like a box of board game components. And it's like design your own game. It's like, dude, seriously, if you, if you are, if you don't have enough extra components laying around, <laughs> you probably shouldn't design you your shouldn't own game, right? Your own I mean, seriously. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, that's that's kind of where I sit on that one. Right. What about you, Richie? Uh, expansion boxes go. I, I do. I pack that all into the base box. And even if I sell the game, uh, I may remember that expansion's in there or not. It's either, you know, I'll either charge extra for it or they just get a, a little surprise. There you go. Um, I have the only time that a came back to buy me i did get rid of i ended up getting rid of the heaven and nail expansion i ended up selling that but i just sold it in a baggie and so there you go that that's all that really i did I, I i it was just one of those things where it completely changes the focus of the game and it's not necessarily that it's bad but i don't know i just prefer the base game i actually I kept that expansion because i haven't played with it yet but i think i could maybe eventually somewhere down the line win a game of it with the expansion so i just i just kept it just in well case. we can set it up after the podcast here and put that to the test right. no comment <laughs> um, i do have a couple boxes of pieces that honestly i don't know why i keep them i have a i love lucy conveyor belt getting out of That's control game say. idea okay um, i like it that i I'm never going to do anything with. Uh, and Jessica right. wants me to make a, a game about tornadoes just because she's never seen that theme in a game. And <laughs> But that's that's it. That's all she's contributed was you should make it. You a should think about, of a game about tornadoes. About storm hunting. I'm not doing any of this. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, come on. I should come probably on just toss those. So, oh, but. oh, how great would that be? I, I really like this idea. I know. Like, you know, <laughs> so I can already mm. imagine, you know, the, uh, a, a game designed by the two of them, like, you know, Richie and Jessica Turner and like, you know, I, I, I mean, just with their elf ears on the box on the back of the box just like just like just like the wolfgang kramer one with his hands on his oh that's the best that's yeah, the best designer the best photo picture. in a rule book I know. I, that's a good point i mean maybe some of our newer listeners don't know that if you go to our instagram page and you go way 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 back 
you get to see Richie with some elf ears on. Yeah. That's, yeah. This is true. So, it is true. So, so if you're, look yeah. at your own risk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And our last question is just a fun question from Corey. And because we were talking about a couple episodes ago, the board game commentary. And he wants to know what our walk-up song would be. If oh, you we mean were, like, like <laughs> if we were, if you were playing at like a board game tournament. Yeah, we were, we were in a tournament. Walking into the what's arena. Your, what's what your walk-up song? Okay, another okay, one okay, bites the right, dust. And another one bites the dust. I was thinking a clean song as well, but I was thinking don't See, stop I'm so surprised because I thought Ooh. Clef's walk-up song would be <laughs> All of Asia. Yeah. So we're Judy is on. We're talking about that great uh, big enough song. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, you should go to YouTube and see Big Enough because man, that that guy who screams and has to hold his cowboy hat in place is just one of our favorite people. Uh, somebody asked on our Slack today on the random, you know, what kind of music we like, and I yeah, like that, five put that, that video. Yeah. So okay, so Queen or that, right? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, no, but yeah. I mean, I think a Queen song would be cool. You know, yeah. little, another one by yeah. the Dust, or you know, We Will Rock You, or something like that. That'd be cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. Even think of yeah. We Will Rock You. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a lesser known song. It's well, pretty no fun. Nobody's gonna know it. No, they can go and listen to it because uh-huh. it, it will okay. evoke. It'll evoke. It'll feelings. evoke feelings of Chad. Yeah. Uh, this is this come is, on, Jacobson. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. This will. This is called the name of the game by Crystal Method. And if you've ever seen Blade Two, when they're wiping out some vampires, I think they play this song. And uh, it's a. It's a pretty good. It's a little bit of techno in there, but it's All an right. awesome right. song. And that's would what put, I would put a little into. five seconds of the song yeah, there in there go. for us. All right. Well, you know what? I think we should have. I honestly, I honestly love this. Uh, this question particularly and so hopefully uh, i'll remember and we'll put a post on the guild so if you're in our guild guild 3227 please come and join on and let us know what your walk-up song would be we'd love 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 to hear that stuff this is a perfect time for word from our sponsor how many times have you spent more time getting your board game set up than playing it? Well, if you have, then you need an insert from 3D Bitspace. They make great ones from Marco Polo to Grand Austria Hotel. You can even contact the owner, Ryan, about a custom insert. So head on over to Etsy.com and search 3D Bitspace. And when you order, also send Ryan an email and mention Punchboard Paradise and receive a free hex tray. Get to playing games and not setting them up. All righty. One other quick thing that I wanted to mention before we move on to our review. Um, One of our local listeners here, Michelle, has put together a board game auction and we'll have that link in our show notes. But if anybody's interested in looking at some games, we've I think there's like almost 200 uh, titles in there or something. You can go and check those out. And um, there's certainly, if you get multiple things, you can uh, save on some shipping or whatever. So anyways, I just wanted to throw that out real quick and wanted to say big props to Michelle for doing that because it's a lot of work and I know she's, she's doing a lot of work with that. And she'll be, you know, that will be up uh, until... 
the 19th, I believe, of October. So you still have a few days or whatever after this comes out, uh, almost a week, uh, to go and check that out. And it's the type of thing where you can, you know, it's a, you can either bid on it or there most of them have like a buy it now price on there. So if you're interested, just to grab it. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes uh, if you're interested. Uh, go ahead and check it out. You you might even find a uh, a German copy of uh, Tanaka Tudu. Oh my God! Nope. Nope. Tekenu. Tekenu. That's what I said. All right. It is time for our review of Alma Mater. Oh, so many lectures and studying to do this week. Oh, oh it can't be that bad. <laughs> oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> Gee, Jiminy Cricket, will you please help me study? <laughs> uh, so thespian. So, so thespian, Clef, do you have any other voices? All right, I got it. I don't have it, but I'm going to try again. Oh, how am I ever going to get all this done? I don't, I've got so much studying to do. And I, I I need so many different books. Hey, I know where you can get some books. You got to go to your, you got to go over to the library and buy some more books so you can get your job, get, get your studying done. <laughs> <laughs> I where, really do where, hope that Mickey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, does this keep going? <laughs> no, we're say, gonna cut it. Here. <laughs> right, I'll just say I, I really do hope that Mickey Mouse, you know, is in every board game uh, <laughs> review in some way. Sponsored by Disney. Alma Mater is a two to four player game from Edgar Spiel, designed by. Virginio Gili, Flaminia Brasini, Antonio Tinto, and Stefano Luperto. That is played in approximately 60 to 90 minutes. The object of Alma Mater is to be the player with the most victory points at the end of the game after six rounds. Each round will consist of you placing workers out onto different worker placement spots on the board, including going to get students that will go to your kind of lecture type of hall to help you do different bonus actions. And then there's also professors that will give you special abilities and then spots that will simply move you up a research track that will also give you different type of bonuses. And then also a place where you can just go get money and affect turn order. Um, you can place your worker on any spot. If there's already a worker there, you can place multiple workers to also go to the same spot. But then there's also one other spot that you'll go to that you can purchase books from other players' libraries if they have them up in the storeroom, which will, but you have to pay them the money for them, but you have an opportunity to make some victory points from that. Um, really you just kind of do different things that then do kind of a point salad to score you victory points from there. Like I said, you play it over six rounds and, uh, that's pretty much how you play alma mater. Gee, thanks, Jiminy Cricket. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Now get to studying kids. 
Uh, well, uh, we're comedy hour around here. I don't even know. What, I have no idea what this episode's going to sound like. I might have to listen to this one. <laughs> you actually might have to. We, we will see. Well, that, that Mickey Mouse what, is definitely going to be in there. That's yeah, for sure. There you go. I'm afraid what's going to be at the end of the episode. That's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> well, I'll get us back on tracks here. So let's let's talk about art and uh, components of this game. How did you feel about the art and components, Clef? Uh, very similar. If you anybody had played Coimbra, it has the same kind of art and style i'm it's very vibrant you know that's what i would when i look at this game it's very vibrant colors things are very uh you know stand out that way what i will say graphics wise is you are hit by a lot of iconography i mean there is a ton of iconography all over the board and obviously the first time that you play it you're kind of like a whoa what is that one do what does that one do you got a green cog you got a black cog you got a this you got a that you know it's all over the place now that being said once you understood it i think then the iconography is solid and i think it does a fairly good job so overall i'm gonna say i'm gonna give it a very i'm gonna gonna give it a good very good in fact i i can agree with you there and i will say that chris quilliams who did coimbra is the same illustrator so that's basically what you're getting and what's interesting enough that some people complain because some of the illustrations on the card are exactly the same as what's on coimbra now i will say personally that that didn't really bother me. But uh, I definitely agree with Clef's point on what I will call cognitive overload in the front end of the game. So when you look out at the game and you look at all the professors and you look at all the students, when you're teaching this game, you kind of have to say, we're going to go through this slowly. I'm going to explain all your actions and then we'll just look at these students and we'll go kind of one by one. Otherwise, it is a really, it feels like a really front-loaded, you know, game in that respect. It similar to the way I felt when I first played Lorenzo for the first time. Those cards, you get 16 every round and they all come out and they mean different things. And so, yes, the iconography tends to be the same after a while, but at first you're overwhelmed a little bit. Richie, did so did you feel that way? And also, I will ask, did you feel like the the repeated art for, for Coimbra bothered you? Uh, the repeated art didn't bother me. And honestly, if you wouldn't have said anything, I wouldn't have known either. Um, okay. As far as the just the overload of iconography, I mean, it, just giving their designs is just to be expected at this point. I understand why they do it as far as, one, you can make it language independent and you don't run into issues like Clef has with his German copy <laughs> of Tekinu. Um, so I get it. And w- yeah, like we said, once you actually know what all the iconography means, it's pretty simple and pretty straightforward and there's very few times that we really had to go into the rule book to see what something meant but honestly my favorite as far as art and components go is those books yeah those books are fantastic right oh yeah those are nice and when i first started playing this with other players first thing they said was wow these books are really nice right yeah and they're they're kind of they're made it seems like almost uh the same the same material that Azul is made out of that Bakelite stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's it's nice tactile kind sure. of stuff those, to handle. Those and mess could have been with. cubes very easily, right? It, yeah, you know. But then you wouldn't have had that amazing opening by me, you know, because the books. That's really key part of this game. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I believe we talked about Trump University a few times in this game, actually, because uh, you would never know it from your intro. But you're you're in the early Renaissance trying to uh, trying to design your your best university. 
you didn't uh, get university. that. No. You didn't get that from his uh, intro. No, I, I. There was something about Mickey Mouse and <laughs> some reading of some books. The guy was trying to study, <laughs> and he needed some books to continue to study. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we got. By the way, I will say the rule book, uh, which we sometimes talk about in this part of the segment, was was pretty good. I will say it is better than average. We missed a couple rules, but I think that was mostly down to down to me as I was doing some of the teaching. There were a few niggling things that are a little bit difficult because you have a lot of combos in this game as to how they kick off. But when we researched some of it, we could figure that out. So there wasn't it wasn't too bad of a of a deal there. I'm going to disagree with you on that. Um, you taught the game, and then you, uh, obviously, I borrowed your copy so that I could play it more some more times. And when I went back and would have questions and I had to go back through the rule book, the cards and the items were fine that were in the back, but the actual rules... I thought were laid out very wonky and it was really hard for me to find very simple what I thought were fairly simple questions that were seemed like they were in weird spots and stuff. I did not think the rule book was very well laid out. Now maybe to learn it it was better, but trying to just find things it was it was a little bit difficult and took me a while uh, quite often to find little rules. And I I didn't have that experience necessarily but i can see what you're talking about because sometimes when we would look back for things uh that i had to check on i it took me some hunting so <laughs> I, I won't disagree with you there let's talk about gameplay richie what did you think about the gameplay of this particular game uh, I, mean, I would say overall the gameplay is satisfying it is a solid kind of midweight euro the the only thing that i thought was a little weird is that the the very top you have on everyone's uh, board they have a little book track or bookshelf or whatever and you have the little point thing that flips every time someone buys a book from you. And that whole mechanism just seemed unnecessary. Also, when you went to get books, you had the option of where you had to make the choice of where you can put the books in your storage or where you can put them up in the shelf where they could be sold to the other players. And I mean, honestly, the, the storage was almost never an issue. And it almost seems like you always want your books. Obviously, sometimes you'll put them up there because you're, you're going to want to generate some type of revenue. Uh, but if you can figure out that revenue elsewhere, which that is possible through the students bonuses and the professors and different things like that, it's, it's possible to, to figure out your income elsewhere. Then I, at that point, once I get my income figured out, I'm not really putting books up there anymore. I'm just going to use them for my, my own plans. And everyone else is just going to pay full price for the books and get them out of there. But the whole sliding down the books, flipping over and at the end of the round, putting that other book shelf in there, that just seemed fiddly. fiddly and no. unnecessary. Okay. I will say, and again, our listeners don't get to the benefit of seeing this, but so when people buy books from uh, other players, they get to score the highest point book that they have bought. So in other words, it's a track, like Richie said, that you're sliding along and there are different numbered uh, bonuses for this. So you could have a two, you could have a three, you could have a one. And depending on how many books and where they're at that you're buying from the other player, you're not going to have certain points available. So if somebody bought the three, you might not get that bonus, for example, or it might get slid down the next turn and you might not get an opportunity for that. So it just, it just kind of depends. I didn't feel like I had completely, by the 
end of three plays that I completely figured out uh, how to price these things necessarily because there's another option where you can buy a student that allows you to change the various prices of your books as you would like them at the beginning of each turn. So that way you can kind of control what might get bought and how much people are going to pay for them that turn. Mm. Because one thing that we didn't go into depth in is that for different for different students and for different professors, you're going to need the books that are the most powerful or the most popular for that turn. And that changes based on where those books are on the research track. So if Clef has a really powerful turn and moves up the research track really high, his books are going to be the most valuable next turn. And so the most sought after. And uh, so sometimes that's important in that regard. Yeah, um, I did... It- and obviously this makes a difference on, but there, there's these different player powers that you can get. Mm-hmm. And you get one to start the game off with, and then you have three others that are uh, possibilities for you to get to. And I, the last time I played this, I had a player power that doubled my income for every book that I had in my shelf. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanted to have my, my shelves full at all times. I mm-hmm. mean, right. if somebody buys it all from me, great, I get the money from that. And if not, then I'm getting double the money from all from all the books that were in there. So I think it can make a difference on uh, yeah, what maybe how your strategy goes. And also, if you are playing where maybe your books are more of the uh, less sought after books, well then if you put your books up there, because you're going to gain income from them no matter what, no matter what, whether it's doubled or not, you still get money off them. And if your books aren't very sought after, you might be able to leave some of those books up there and be get an income uh, rolling on them. So um, now I will say just real quick, we we're talking about these player powers. I, I think in, at least in the games that we all played together, I think we noticed that there was that one player power where you got to double your people in the turn order track. Thing. Yeah. For one turn or for, seemed extremely yeah. powerful. Not only was it continually making you all go first every single round, but it got you a lot of income. I mean, so, I could see where Richie would be like, I didn't even need to worry about putting books mm-hmm. up there because you had a different income revenue like using that one. So I think it can matter on what player powers you might have or what's available. Exactly. You're going to want to play to your to your strengths of your of your player power. And so, like I said, that that becomes interesting and gives it some legs in in the replayability department as well. Gentlemen, anything anything other that you'd like to say about uh, game gameplay? I, I, I'm going to be honest. I mean, this is a very, very basic worker placement game. I mean, it that's what you're doing is you are placing your workers and taking different actions. And, uh, you know, as we said, you can get these students that then can enhance and do things better on your actions. You can get these professors. Now, those professors, they're not easy to get but they're very powerful once you get them. Um, you know, and in fact, you know, there's also other cards that will let you like untap your professors and use them more than once in a turn. And a lot of those professors can be very, very huge. Not to mention they're obviously worth a lot of points at the end of the game too, or they, you know, they're a multiplier or something. Uh, but I thought everything that they kind of did worked really well together. It was just tight enough that it made me really feel like I had a lot of decisions to make. And yet, yet it was still... It was fun. You know, I was still enjoying myself for right. the medium type of weight Euro game it was. I'm not, you know, looking for, you know, splatter type of thought processes. Mm. You know? Mechanically, it wasn't a difficult game. Like I said, there was cognitive overload up front, but it wasn't like you couldn't understand how the mechanisms work. The The skill was in being able to figure out how your engine was going to be put together and how to do, do that tightly, because that was another thing that we didn't talk about. The first round of the game, you feel like, oh my God, 
how am I going to generate some of these resources? Because the first round feels pretty tight. Like you're not getting much done. You get to gain more workers throughout the game, but uh, there, it definitely feels like you're not getting enough at the start. And we didn't talk about this, but there are uh, there are starting resources that you draft too. And those yeah. starting resource cards have a number on them so that the higher the numbers are, the further back you go, I think, in player order. And I was just wondering, because all of my plays, I just took the highest. <laughs> like, I never I never cared about going first in the first round. I don't know if you uh, guys saw that as well. I or think the first time I played, I thought, ooh, maybe I'm going to try to. Right. And then after that, I agree. I just take the best cards. Yeah, I just take I the best cards that I get. That. Yeah, it's right. not, not enough of a penalty not to. Yeah. And, and sure. that's a good point, because the first round, you're not, like I said, you're not getting a lot done. You just kind of have to figure out what your engine is and sit it, yeah. start setting it up. Uh, the other thing I would definitely say is this, this is definitely a game of you need to figure out how you're going to get your two additional workers as fast right, as possible. Right, right. You There's three options for you to get two additional workers and like i said you got to figure out like ones get to 15 points on the track ones uh get so many students i think seven students in your uh lecture hall and yeah. then one is uh get that uh, a bust uh you know figure out you know like it just does something certain that you have to do to get it. it's different each game but you got to go after those because you need those extra workers yeah, to be especially able to, since uh, I, don't, so. I don't think we mentioned this but it's just like coal baron in the sense that no action spot is blocked as long as you have enough workers yeah. to go one more mm -hmm. than what's yep. already there. I'll echo what you guys have said in that this game is the interesting thing in this game is the interaction on the book track, I think. Otherwise, it becomes a fairly common but tight worker placement game. It's managing those kind of resources and and moving up the track but also needing other people's books it's the interplay of that that really makes it interesting and that's kind of what stands out from this game makes it makes you want to play it a little bit more yeah no i totally would agree with that so. and i like that on that track there are some spots that are like you have to either get or you have to have something or you're going to lose you lose four points which can be huge in that game mm -hmm. to, to get to that next spot in there so, oh, on the research track. On the research yeah, track, right. Yeah. I, I really like the fact that that research track, there's a lot of, there are some very painful ones. Mm -hmm. And then there could be some ones that are like, pay a dollar for every professor you have or something. You're like, sweet, I don't have any professors. You know, then it's right. just like a free spot. But you have the option, well, sometimes you have the option of either they have a green cog or a black cog. Now, the green cog, you just get to move up a spot on the research track and you don't have to pay for it. It's, it's a free, free movement. Free movement. But the black track, you always have to pay, but a lot of times you'll get more than one, you know, you can do more than one movement uh, with the black track. I, you know, I thought that was a very interesting concept because it is important to not only, as we kind of discussed, where the higher your thing is, the more valuable your books are, but also at the end of the game, the higher you've gotten on there. I mean, you're going to get some nice rewards, first of all. Uh, the cards are like A through E, and each card has like three, or is it three spots on it that you have to try to complete before you get to like a a bonus or whatever and obviously the, the more of those bonuses i mean they're big victory points or big coins you know type of thing so yeah and and the way that those slot in uh work nicely together and that that brings up uh, our next topic basically which is variability and replayability for this game you have some variability in it where there are different cards that you're going to pick on the research track you have a small bit of a variability with the students because there's four students and no, five students and four come out each game and then you've got a few different of these player powers or whatever so i would say the variability is good i, I wouldn't say it's great but it's it's good i think it's going to make a little bit of a different play 
the player powers probably are the biggest thing because like as we said that can kind of take your strategy i personally i mean i've played this game five times now and i feel like the game's got at least three or four more plays in it of what it is for me. So I would say the replayability is, I mean, that's not bad. You know, I mean, it, for for a medium weight Euro game, I think it's it's good. I don't think it's, it's above average, but I think it's just right there on that average, maybe just barely, barely above it. Richie? Yeah, I would, I would agree that uh, I think when you first play it, it probably kind of gives you the idea that it's going to be a very high um, variability. But once you really learn the powers, and I mean, you you get those students down pretty quickly as far as what you want to go after, which ones are good, which ones are not so good. And as far as the same deal with the professors. So, I mean, once you get that all figured out, then, I mean, it, you're going to start doing kind of the same things over and over again to get your engine going and get it, get yourself in position before the game ends. So uh, overall, I would say, yeah, it's, it's decent uh, variability uh, and replayability. What about you, Chad? I would say, I would echo what you would say. I would say it's slightly above average, but not a lot. So, and again, you think that it might be more, but once you start playing it, okay, I see what this does, and I, I this is something comparable to that. But at the same time, like I said, uh, just different combos based on when you have like, E going up the research track is a different card and the professor that you get with this power is a different card and your starting player power is a different card. There's still enough there to to find some discovery in the combos and that's really kind of what the game is about. Let's talk player count before we get to our final score. I have played this at three and four, but I never got to play in at two. Have you guys played at two? Yep, I got multiple. Yeah, I did get I got in one play at two. Mm-hmm. We'll share. I would say pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I liked how the the little bot worked, yeah. or basically the, the blocking anytime, cards worked. Yeah, anytime that I hear you've got to use a bot or a some sort of a something there to, like you know, a dummy, you player. dummy player that yeah. you have to deal with, I'm always like, oh my goodness. And this wasn't bad. Not you, bad at all. Literally, you pulled a card at the beginning of the round, he blocked off a few spots, you know, or made it more difficult, obviously, mm-hmm. to go a few spots, and then he moved up the research track, and uh, he put out a few of the books onto his uh, onto his thing, and that was it. You took care of them at the beginning of the turn, and then you just played the turn all normally, and it was that simple and easy. So yeah. I thought it, it was solid, actually. Yeah, that, and that's the way that I like those. If you're going to do some, if you have to do some type of dummy player, in which in this case, if you didn't, the board would just be way too open for just two players. Um, this is the way to do it. Yeah. Well, Richie, did you feel like you were buying books as much with that player count? Uh, I mean, it was about the same. I mean, that didn't really change that for, much for me. Okay. At that player count, really, really. I mean, really kind of just felt like you were playing a three-player game yeah, in a way. for the most and part. We should say real quick that there is a two- and three-player side of the board, and then there's a four-player side of the board. So that is how the, they kind of scale things a little bit. Yeah. Oh, and I, one other thing that I like the you know so the dummy player though he'll count that research track you get so many points if you're the highest on there and second and third at the you know end of the game and he counts towards that um and i so i like the fact that you still have to deal with him on that two type of thing um and i like the fact i think it's 12 points for first place and then i think it's five for second and zero for third Mm. and so it's a it's a big difference between you know those spots which i which i thought 
that's a really, I, I like it's, it's, you don't want to lose that research track if you can help it. Uh, reminded me a little bit of the one thing that I loved from Coimbra was those tracks and how yeah. you had to be a certain way, amount away from somebody to actually still score points. Mm, and I, right. I thought that was good. I liked that part. All right. Well, I think that uh, sums it up for us. It's time for our final thoughts on the game. Richie, can you give our listeners the Punchboard Paradise rating scale? Sure can. So at Punchboard Paradise, we rate on a six-point scale with a one being a game that makes you miserable and a six being a game that could make your top ten of all time. Clef. So I'm going to start off by saying I think this is some very smart, interesting gameplay. There's nothing innovative about it. There's nothing spectacular about it. It's just a very solidly done Euro game. It's tight. It has you make tough decisions, and yet you have a little bit of a buildup after a while, and you start to get special player powers and different things, and so you're kind of building a little bit of an engine as you go along so it gets better and better as the game goes on, and it gives you those feel-good type of moments. Um, so overall, this is a very, very solid game. Okay. Um, now, I do not own a copy of this. I have obviously just played. Uh, Chad got this uh, copy. I have not had a desire to purchase it um i've enjoyed it but i'm okay you know honestly i'm okay not playing it again also it's not like something that i'm like dying to get to the table so if i really had to think about this you know i'm, I'm right now i'm sitting here and i'm thinking is it a three is it a four and a four to me would be a game that i really feel like i would still want to try to actively say hey let's play that and i don't know if i'm here with that game i feel like the five plays i have of it is, is probably good enough so if I really had to say, where am I going to be in a year? I'm probably going to be at a three. So I think at this moment, I'm going to give it a three, but I'll say this is a very high three. And I would still say, if you like medium weight euros, and especially from you know the Italian guys here, it's still a game I would suggest to go out and give a shot to. Um, it's just a game that maybe is not going to be long lasting on your shelf, for, for my opinion. So three is what I got. Chad, what say you? Well, like I said earlier, I will echo that what sets this above is that book track and the buying of books with each other. Otherwise, you have a worker placement game that feels a lot like other worker placement games with some resource conversion and then moving up the track before other people can or, you know, that that interaction there, which is still interesting. And it is still a tight game, which we like. So that's a point in its favor, of course, too. But I will say the the book track is and manipulating that and finding ways to manipulate that is where it's at. And there were several times during our plays that we were swearing at each other for not having books in the bookshelf, which was kind of fun. We enjoyed mm -hmm. that. I think uh, we were kind of denigrating each other and uh, the quality of each other's uh, Mickey Mouse or Trump universities. And we were, you know, we were we were having a good time with that. Uh so I will give this game for its plays. I will get a, give it a solid four. I think that it is a above average, certainly. And like I said, the library makes it so, or that book track makes it so. And I will enjoy having this in my collection and playing it from time to time. It's not one that I'm going to bust out all the time. Uh, but if I have a chance to play at, I think three is my we didn't talk about it, but three is my favorite count for this game because it's enough interaction without being longer than I want it to be, which was four sometimes for me. So I'm going to give it a solid four for Alma Mater. Richie, wrap us up. I mean, honestly, I think that this game, the only thing that really hurts it is once again, like what we, what we had with uh, Blackout Hong Kong is 
the designers. So, I mean, when you think of Lorenzo, you got Grand Austria Hotel, Barrage. When you stack this game up to that, it doesn't, it gives you little hints of all those types of games, uh, but it's just not at the exact same level. Uh, so for me, it was sitting on that fence between a four and a three. And, and honestly, it would be a three because once again, I, I do not own it. Uh, I'm not going out to, to buy it. But if Chad threw it on the table and said, hey, let's play this, I'm, I'm going to play it. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it, when you compare it to all their other games, and maybe that's not fair as far as when you're reviewing, but it's hard not to do it when you're playing a game that reminds you of all their other games, but just not as good. That's tough, man. Consi- yeah. Like if you just said, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, White Album. You're just not as good as Abbey Road, man. And I'm going to have to give you a three. That's that's rough, dude. I know, but I, I'm doing it. All right. So all that's right. a three. Wow. wow. Okay. Beatles reference. All, all right. right. Yeah. All Great. right. Well, here. We got a three from Clef, a three from Richie, and a four from Chad. And there you have it. That is Alma Mater from Eggerspiel and Plan B Europe Games. All right, gang. Well, you know, we like to end on a on a fun note. I'm not promising any ice cream bars or anything but we're gonna play a little quick game i no ice cream bars in it why are we doing (laughs) (laughs) all right well you uh you can pretend that there's ice cream bars maybe you don't uh, how about this the loser has to go out and get ice cream bars Let's Ooh. see. Let's read the the first one, and then we'll, <laughs> right, right. we'll decide. What? So we're. I got. I got you lazy. Get the first one that we're going. Oh, then, for then yeah, then we're going for it. I got lazy, and uh, we're not playing a board game Linky that I made up. We're just going to play regular old Linky. So I got some cards here, and let's let's yeah. see what uh, what what you guys can do here. Okay. All right. So for those who aren't familiar with Linky, what you're going to do is. I'm going to ask questions, and these guys won't answer the questions right away. They'll think of the answers in their head, and then what they are going to try to answer is there are four questions, and when they figure out the linking characteristic to the answers of all these questions, they are going to buzz in somehow, and they're going to tell me what they think it is. We're going to yell linky. Okay. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We're yell linky. Okay. Yeah. If the player who calls out linky gets it wrong then we make sure we finish all four questions and the other player gets a chance to guess here we go with the first set okay i'm ready i'm ready all right number one who had to get home by midnight before her carriage turned into a pumpkin Mm -hmm. okay all right number two who fell asleep for a hundred years and could only be woken linky Disney princesses? False. Oh, okay. I got a free reign of all the questions. Okay. So can finish question two here. Okay. So I think I got it. But. Who fell asleep for a hundred years and could only be woken by a kiss from a prince? Okay. Okay. Number three, which Shakespeare love story features two warring families, the Montagues and the Capulets? Okay. Number four, what device would you commonly use to open a Brazil or walnut? Okay, well, it's Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, the, a Nutcracker, and what was the third question? I've already forgotten that That one. was which Shakespeare love story features? Romeo, Romeo and, and Juliet. Juliet. I thought you said he picked these out like that. We, we would <laughs> no, maybe have this seems like his... a Chad question. Yeah. This seems like we should be <laughs> asking Chad this question. Like a Chad question. You realize there's a lot of punch punch out there right now that are going oh, they're, like, they're oh going crazy. God, yeah, guys are and guess what? So, I'm not on the hook for this. This is this is you. It's all um, 
Can I have the hint? <laughs> There's a hint on the card. I want the hint. The hint is fancy French dancing. Fancy. Are they <laughs> all, all types of dances? Mm, I don't think I can give it to you. It's all ballets. They are all ballets. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. This is definitely Cinderella that was a Cinderella is a ballet. Question. Yes, it is. It is absolutely a ballet. I'm really disappointed. I think Chad is pulling these out to make us feel stupid. <laughs> let, me check, let me check I don't that know card. I want to play this anymore. <laughs> all right, all right, all right we, come on now. Hang in there. Hang in there. Our punch punch is like one for one. Uh, but uh, okay, here we go. Here's your next one. You got it. Here we go. All right. Number one. Which famous singer has the Kabbalah name Esther? Which famous singer has the Kabbalah name? Chad's not Esther. allowed to pick these questions what, anymore. What is you guys, come on. Come on. You can do this. Our punch punch is like all over this. Okay. Number two. Come on. Here we go. Number two. Which British actor starred in The Talented Mr. Ripley, Cold Mountain, and The Aviator? Blank Law. Richie, you want to go play a board game? Yeah, you got the German version of Tekenu. Maybe we we'll figure out. Do <laughs> you really not know that one? I, I know just because of the yeah. blank. Thank law, you. Yes. Okay. Well, it said I, that. I think I, I tuned out before okay. the end of it. What? The blank? But okay, I, you got I, that, right? I don't have a, a link not so far. Yet. Not yet. Come on. We got two more questions. Hang in there. Jeez. Bunch okay. of prima question number ones. Okay. Number three. Which day of the week comes before today, whatever day today is? Which day of the week comes before today, whatever day today is? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got that one. Yeah, no what's problem. the last one? Yeah, I got it. Hey, get get ready to okay. read that hint. Number four. <laughs> what, what does the Spanish word hola mean in English? Hola? Yeah, what does the Spanish word hola mean <laughs> I'm just in sure English? I had it all. Yeah. All right. I got uh, that one, too. Hint. But yeah, let's do the hint. Let's just... Yeah. just not for us, but for the, for the, the punch bunch. bunch. They yeah. might need to know. All right. Yeah. Well, one of you better get ready to scream Linky really quick. But here's your hint. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. The Beatles, Linky. <laughs> the Beatles. Yes. I don't even know what any of the other questions were, but I got the Beatles. Come on. Madonna, Jude. Oh, good song. Oh, good song. Yesterday. Oh, okay. And Hello, oh, Goodbye. All Beatles oh, songs. Beatles songs. Yes. I knew that the whole time, Richie. <laughs> I was trying to give you an I was trying to let you in there Alright, All ready? Alright, yes okay. Last I think we we're one. only doing three will of these yeah. please, Will somebody please get this one? I really hope somebody gets this one Here we go and Good thing we did not agree to go get ice cream Alright <laughs> right. Number one A tornado is often called by what name? A tornado is often called by what name? Number two what do surgeons regularly perform on patients? What Linky. All mass market board games. Uh, board games is close enough. You okay. win. Whew. Go get some ice cream, Clef. Uh, what? Here yeah, we go. Get my go ice get cream. some ice good cream. Thing, good thing we agreed <laughs> to go get ice cream. We're one and one. How would I be going to get ice cream? Oh, yeah, that's true. Hold on. Here we go. Hold on, hold on. So Cyclone was the first one? Twister. Twister. Yeah. Ah, Twister. Yeah. I, was right, I guess finish, finish the card. Okay. I guess what, what are the other... Uh... Uh, oh, yeah, other board games. Yeah, you so want to know about that? Yeah. We had okay, Twister so uh, and... what is the scientific name for the human skull? Cranium. Yep. And dangerous... <laughs> please uh, please edit that, that down. where I answered it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> and then dangerous situations put your life at... Risk. Risk. Yes, good. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. All right. Are hey, you, see, are we you did ready? board games. We did that one well. Yeah. We, we rolled. We were awesome on that one. So okay, this is I, it. This I've is created for the a, ice cream. I just want you to know that I've created a meta here. We've got. Okay. 
These four cards also have something in common, okay? So anyway. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, number one. I want to get ice cream. Number right. one. The famous gunsmiths are known as Blank and Wesson. The okay. famous gunsmiths are known as Blank and Wesson. Okay. Number two. How many deadly sins are there? How many deadly sins are there? Number three. In ancient history, Paris carried Helen off to which city? No. Are you going to say it? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I know them so far. Should we go to number four? Yep. Okay. Number four, name the film from this quote. The first rule of blank blank is you don't talk about blank blank. Oh, Blinky. Yeah. Famous Wars? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, uh, nope. Can, can, nope. You, can you edit that out? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I don't... All right. Do you want the clue so <laughs> you me, can see me the clue? Half of Brangelina. Uh, Linky Brad Pitt? Yeah, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt mo movies. movies. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. <laughs> Famous <laughs> word. It's a, good thing I, it's a good thing I think I still have uh, Nate's ice cream bars in the, in the, in the freezer. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I, I knew Smith and Weston, but I didn't know there was, there was a movie named Smith, or is that oh, the Mr. and Mr. Mrs. Mr. Smith? Because okay. I had Troy and I had. Um, that's, what, that's what threw me seven, off. Seven, but I, uh, for some reason yeah. I was like singing Seven Years' War and like Helena, you know, Troy and these were things. So. Ballets, uh, ballets, Brad Pitt films, board games, and uh, Beatles songs. Well, I Chad's might give you an F for picking out those yeah. cards. <laughs> I bet everyone is heavily entertained. And if you are not entertained, please send Clef, uh, Clef Hayworth an email at clefhaywardgmail.com and ask him to buy something. He'll do it. He'll click on Actually, it. Actually, we should have had Mickey Mouse read those cards. Oh, we should have. That was a missed opportunity. <laughs> well, if you're... if. <laughs> I got nothing more to say. <laughs> so since none of us do, please uh, punch, punch, take care of yourselves and each other. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Let's go learn, everybody.